The story of Moses is filled with many twists and turns, highs and lows. But one thing that is always evident throughout the story is God's hand. The hope for this series is that you will see no matter who you are, where you come from, or what you have done, God still has a purpose and plan for your life and will use you if you let him. So let's get into Moses. Well, hey, everybody, if you are a guest here today, we're in a series on Moses, as you can tell from all around me. Uh, We just got started last week, so today is part two, and if you've uh, missed any of it, maybe you were traveling last week, uh, you can catch up online or on our app. And so today, we're going to keep going. And, uh, you know, the reason that we're talking about Moses is because I believe he is absolutely one of the most relatable people in the Bible. You know, we get to understand some things about God because of his interactions with people. And uh, sometimes I look at people and, and, you know, they're harder to relate to. Moses is so easy. He gets frustrated. He gets disappointed. He gets mad. He makes some mistakes. He misses out on some things. We all know those feelings, right? But more importantly, one of the things that we relate to the most about Moses is that he wanted his life to matter. And I think every single one of us wants our life to matter. Matter of fact, it's in our hearts from childhood. If you ever go to a young kid who's playing, I mean, as early as three, four, five years old, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And they will say things like fireman, teacher, doctor, policeman, because they're naming something that they have seen make a difference and that helps people and they want to identify with that. Matter of fact, it's not until we get a little more like Moses and become disillusioned that we start picking jobs around paychecks instead of things that make a difference. But we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. And so what ended up happening is, as we said in part one, Moses wanted his life to matter, but then something didn't go the way he expected. And he gave up. He gave up on expecting to ever do anything great for God. But the good news is everybody, God didn't give up on him. And so our point today, what we're gonna be looking at is God has not given up on you either, no matter where you are in your story. And so that's where we're picking up, where we left off last week. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter three, right at the beginning. And as you're turning there, I wanna remind you where we left off in the story. We started with understanding that Moses had been raised as an adopted prince in the Egyptian palace amongst the Egyptian people. He was in one of Pharaoh's adopted children, but he ended up deciding that he wanted to go out and help his own people who were the slaves of the Egyptians. And he went out one day to to try to do something good. He saw one of them being uh, oppressed in a way. And so he said, I'm gonna defend them. And he ended up killing the Egyptian. And he thought, well, now the Egyptians don't like me, but at least my people will love me. It turns out they rejected him too. So he had nobody and he ran to the land of Midian. He ended up sitting by a well. He met a family. They invited him in, he got married, and he had kids. And that's where we're gonna pick up the story. Moses has settled in the land of Midian. Now, I want you to notice I said that he settled. I did not say he settled down because there's a very big difference. Settling is without hope. Chapter three, verse one. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And I don't know about you, but I I just think there's gotta be a Bubba cousin somewhere, right? (laughs) I mean, personally, so many times when you read the Bible, you don't know how to pronounce what's there. So I'm grateful for Jethro. I can, I can do Jethro. Might have a little something to do with being raised here in South Carolina, but I get Jethro and his cousin Bubba that didn't make the Bible. But Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
Now, in a minute, we're going to see one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible that many people have heard of. But before we go on in the story, I, I, I want us to see something that we might be overlooking that is so important right here. And that is how disillusioned Moses truly is. We talked in part one about Moses becoming disillusioned. And we've all had those moments where we become disillusioned with something. Life doesn't always turn out the way we think. So this is where we can relate. But I want you to follow this. He was 40 years old when he went out and tried to do something good. It didn't work out. He fled to Midian. We're picking up the story. He's now 80. 40 years have passed living in the land of Midian. And did you notice he doesn't have one sheep of his own yet? 40 years he is still living with his father-in-law and keeping his father-in-law's sheep. That is disillusioned at a very deep level because he was raised in the Egyptian palace of the greatest empire upon the earth, an empire that says conquer and, and, and accomplish great things. And he even believed inside of him was this destiny to be the singular hero of all of God's people. That is ambition and that's drive. But today... 40 years goes by and he hasn't even decided to get his own flock, not one sheep to his name. See, the truth is he had a bad experience and something didn't go the way that he thought it should work out. So he ran and he hid. We talked about that. But now it's okay because he has a family. He has a job. He gets up every day. He goes to work. He's simply living life. And the truth is he looks like every other person around him. Get up, take care of your sheep, eat a meal, go to sleep, repeat the next day. But the truth is, he's given up on believing there's more to life. You and I may have way more in common with Moses than we want to admit. Maybe we had a confusing or a hurtful childhood. Maybe we had a bad experience trying to do something good. And so we too have settled. But it's okay because we also have gotten a job. And you have a family and you take great vacations and you enjoy your kids. You become busy with life and you look like everyone around you. But you too, like Moses, may no longer be looking to make a difference. So let's keep going in the story because the good news is God's not done with him. And as I said earlier, God's not done with you. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. I really wish I could give a better voice for God. I don't feel like I'm doing justice to him. But Moses said, here I am. And God replied, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. There's an encounter happening here I want to just stop and talk about to make sure we understand something about God because God is revealing a very key principle about who he is and how we relate to him. You see, one of the reasons that we have scripture and all of the stories in scripture is so that we can learn something about God because again, he would come to people like Abraham before there was a Bible and interact with Abraham. He'd come to someone like Moses and, and he'd interact with Moses. And so we learn about God by watching how he interacts with, hu with humanity. And by the way, I just want to point out something that I thought about this week as I was doing research again and looking at Moses' story. And that is that Moses' entire story was written down by him. If he didn't have some humility, we wouldn't know any of this. 
Because he tells us all of his mistakes and all that he did wrong and all of the stupid stuff he said to God. He actually reveals that to us. But here's what's happening that we need to see right here. Let's go back and look. When the Lord saw that he turned aside. When he saw that Moses turned aside, then and only then God called to him out of the bush. You see, here's the principle we need to understand about God. God always initiates. You never start anything of your own, never anything good in your own life. You never woke up and said, today's the day I shall be born. You didn't do it. You never woke up and said, today's the day I shall save myself. You didn't do it. You never initiate. God always initiates, but then, catch this, this is the principle we're seeing right here. God responds to our response. God responds to our response. God begins, God brings something to you, God starts something, God speaks something into your heart, God lays circumstances in front of you, and then God responds to you responding to God. Think about that. God did not speak to Moses until Moses turned aside. He had already seen the bush, but Moses had to make a decision. He had to take a step toward God. You see, God initiated. He got his attention. Here's a bush. It's burning, but it's not burning up. And what would have happened? How would the story have gone if Moses had just been walking along with his sheep and went, "Woo! boy, that's weird, but I'm busy today. I think some of us are missing out on what God wants to do in our lives because God has taken a step towards you and you haven't responded. And God is ready to respond to your response. We say things like, well, God, your word says you will bless me. So we wake up every day and say, God, where's my blessing? God, I'm waiting on you to bless me today. And God says, well, I'm waiting on you to do what's in here because the blessing's on the other side. We say, well, God, I, I want you to bless my finances. And God says, I want to bless your finances. You see, God initiated. He blessed you. He provided for you. And then he says, you take the next step. You honor me with your finances. And then I'm going to bless you again. And it's going to be a cycle. It's going to keep going. God comes and he puts something in your heart and you say, okay, God, good. Let me, let me watch it happen. And God says, no, the next step is for you to pray it into being. It's one of the most confusing things ever is why God has us pray. He will give us what to pray about. He'll tell us what he wants us to do. But then our next step is to say, God, will you do what you want to do in my life? So many times we are missing out. We may say, well, God, you want to speak to me. I want to hear your voice. God says, I want to speak to you. And he's simply waiting on you to be quiet. Maybe get up early. You see, God responds to our response, and some of us are missing out on the very next step. We're stuck because we see a burning bush, but we won't take one step to say, God, what are you up to? God responds to our response. So let's keep going. Here's what God says to Moses now that he has his attention. Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses has just received one of the most phenomenal job offers ever, one of the greatest callings that any human could ever have. God is single-handedly going to work through you to go and make history to deliver his people. You're going to be the greatest leader. And do you know what Moses' answer was? But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's the very question that we're going to deal with at length today because that is the core issue we want to address. So we'll come back to that thought in just a moment. And God's answer 
When Moses says, but who am I? God's answer is, but I will be with you. You know what he really just said? I don't care who you are, nor does anybody else. All that matters is me, and I'm gonna be there. We missed that step. But I want to show you something that I think is just absolutely hilarious that only God can get away with doing, but you and I need to see this because we're in the same situation. Here's how God actually answered him. But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I will be with you and that I've sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve me here on this mountain. Did y'all catch what God actually said? Here is a sign. I'm gonna give you a sign that I'll be with you. And the sign is, it'll work. Now go. That's what God said to him. The sign is, when you go and do everything I tell you to do, when you take all the steps, when you succeed, you'll know I was with you. You're afraid they're gonna cut your head off. You're afraid they're gonna reject you. Well, when you go and none of that happens, you'll see that I'm with you. You see, way too often we're like, God, give me a sign. And we're waiting on God to make something easy and to take care of all the problems. And God says, you'll know that I'm with you after you go. You see, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's what God is doing right here. You're just gonna have to go. You're gonna have to take a step because again, God responds to our response. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they'll say, the Lord did not speak to you. I think this is hilarious. Moses is like, who am I? I'm not good enough. And God's like, I don't care. He's like, well, then let me blame those people. And just like Moses, how many times do we blame somebody else that we're not walking in what God wants for us? He tries to take the attention off of himself. But the good news is, as God has been with you, God was with Moses and he was merciful. So check out his answer. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. That we're gonna come back to, because that's just funny. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it. It became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. He said, look, they're gonna notice I'm, I'm here. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And when he put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. And he put it back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And I'll do you one up on this one. If they will not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice, then you shall take some water from the Nile. You shall pour it on dry ground and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. You see, here's what we miss in this story because we read it as fast as I just did. Did y'all notice I just blew through that? And when you're reading your Bible or you're listening to the, the daily thing and it reads to you and you go through that story, you just go, wow, that's really cool. Look how awesome God is. And we see that God is doing all these cool tricks. Now here's the reality. God is the central character. God is the star. God is demonstrating his power. And so we see that and go, man, God, you're amazing. But we miss out on what Moses is going through at this moment. His stick, staff, that's what that is, threw it down, turns into a snake, and he runs from it. The man is looking at a burning bush that doesn't burn. There's an angel of the Lord. God is speaking from heaven and he runs from a snake. That's the only thing that actually has scared him so far. Are you kidding me? 
And then when God says, pick it up, I don't think he went, okay. No, I think he did. What? Because he was afraid of the snake. See, he was having a moment that we overlook. And then God takes him to another moment. God says, put your hand inside your cloak. So he does. Pull it out. See, what's not in the story that you might not understand the context of? His hand was covered in leprosy. I need you to hear this. It's an incurable, permanent disease that alters your life. You can never be with another person again. Moses takes out his hand. You and I know the story. He's about to get it healed, but he doesn't know that yet. He's looking at something that just destroyed his life. He's got a disease that is completely incurable. He has no answer for, nobody has an answer for. And he's been his whole life alone out wandering around with these sheep, but at least he could go home to his wife and his sons and now he can't. God says, let me show you, put it back. You see, here's the thing. Moses would have to go and face everyone that he feared. But first he needs to fear God. He needs to have some trust in who God is and what he says. He needs to have some reverence. These signs would ultimately be for Moses to demonstrate so that the people would believe Moses. But right now they are for Moses to believe God. And you may have been through one of these experiences. It may not have been your hand turning white as snow or a stick turning into a snake and back again. But God has taken you through something where he was trying to get your attention before you could go and do something great where he was bringing you to a place of understanding you need to revere him, you need to trust him, and you need to be willing to take that step even though you won't know until you get back where you started that God was with you. Are y'all following this? But Moses said to the Lord, now check this out, his response to incredible power and demonstration of power and being told that he would demonstrate power, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or these last two minutes since you and I have been talking. I always think that's funny. But I'm actually slow of speech, end of tongue. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Moses? You do realize you don't have to be able to talk to throw a stick on the ground and pick it back up after it's a snake. You don't have to say a word, Moses, to do cool parlor tricks. You're gonna show up with all the people that rejected you and are afraid of you, or now you're afraid of them, you're gonna to get to stick your hand in your cloak, turn out with leprosy, and just chase them all around, make them run and everything, and be like, woo, you don't have to say a word. And they're gonna fear you. And yet you, in spite of God demonstrating his great power and telling you you will demonstrate great power, all you can think about is your human weakness. Are we identifying with Moses yet? Now look, before we get too caught up on picking on Moses, let's think about how many excuses we've given God for why we can't do something he said he would do in his power. And what we need to remember is, our God is great. And he is neither surprised nor hindered by your weakness. That was worthy of an amen, but y'all catch up later. Here we go. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Check out Moses' response. Lord, just please send somebody else. 
He's out of excuses, but he's still begging his way out of the job. He's still disillusioned from what we learned in part one. And it's so bad, absolutely nothing can shake it. He's seen the most incredible demonstration of the power of God. He's been given the greatest job offer and all he can do is just say, please, leave me alone. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, no surprise. And he says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well, I made him. He shall speak for you to the people and you shall, he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. So take this, in your hand, this staff with which you shall do the signs. And I think at this moment, Moses started to figure out it was time to listen. He's seen the great power of God. He hears the tone of God's voice change. He knows he has God's anger. He probably doesn't wanna be on the other end of it. So Moses took his wife and his sons and he had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. So where that brings us to today and how we relate to Moses is very simply this. Every single one of us either has been, will be, or currently is in the place of asking God, but who am I? Who am I that you could do something significant through me? Who am I to be worthy of what you're asking? Who am I that people would accept me or agree with it? Who am I? And so the core issue that we need to look at today is why we are so reluctant to take the very step that God is calling us to take. What is getting in our way when God comes to us and he's done amazing things in our life, he's demonstrated great power, he's the one telling us what he wants us to do and somehow we're still so reluctant. Well, the truth is, Moses' story gives us the answer. There are three things that Moses is struggling with and they're the exact same three things that I've seen people struggle with in my years as a pastor. Many times I've met with someone and they're stuck just like Moses and they just can't take the next step and these three things are always there. I wanna show you. The first one is disillusioned. We talked about this in part one, it's what happens. Something didn't go the way Moses thought. He became disillusioned with what he expected from life and he goes and he settles 40 years. And you and I have been disillusioned. Sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. Everybody, if you've ever been married, you got married, it was your greatest day, highest hopes. And then someday, shortly after, you figured out you married a sinner. They're selfish. They don't want to get up and get you another bowl of chips. That's your problem. They don't want to pick up the socks off the floor. You put them there. They don't want to do your laundry anymore. They've done enough of it. Or whatever the issue is. You can't wait to have children. You give birth and you look at their face. You're like, this is amazing. And then the day comes where they slam the door and run down the hall. They lie about doing their homework. You get a job and you're like, this is the job I've dreamed of. Six months goes by as the job you hate more than anything. You see, we all know what it feels like to be disillusioned. We take a step, we try. But here's the real problem. If you remain disillusioned, like Moses did, there are some long-term effects of being disillusioned. It gets worse. Things get added to that, like 
true hopelessness. Despair at a level that you'd probably wanna use the word depressed. I'm gonna go out on a limb and tell you this is just how I read the story and read Moses' reactions. I personally believe he would be clinically diagnosed as depressed. We would give him medication today. You say, why do you think that, Jimmy? Because he is standing in the midst of the God Most High, speaking to him, demonstrating greatness of power, doing amazing things, and none of that can shake him out of his emotional state. If you've ever been depressed, you know what it feels like, that someone comes to you with a plan and with hope and they just think if they describe it right, you're gonna get excited and your answer is, who cares? Moses is gonna go down in history if he just responds to this as one of the greatest people, this, the leader of God's people, the one who rescues them, the one that'll get the right part of the Bible and all he can do with that great destiny put in front of him is to say, Please, God, just not me. You see, if we stay disillusioned long-term, it gets worse. And just like you and me today, God is moving in our midst too. God has initiated, God has taken steps, God is doing great things in us, God is doing great things around us, and God wants to do great things through us. But we are so hurt sometimes by our past we're so disillusioned by what we've been through that we can't see or respond even to what God is doing. So what's the answer? Well, for you and me today, we have some options Moses didn't have. You have pastors, counselors that can help you take a step, doctors that can help you. But I also want to highlight, I don't wanna make light of any of that, but I wanna highlight that for many of us, the answer is the one that Moses had, the only answer that Moses had. And that is to simply take a step towards God. You see, there's more to Moses' story than I was able to share with you today. But I have really good reason and I could make a strong case to tell you, I don't believe as Moses started on his way back to Egypt, I don't believe he was singing and dancing on the yellow brick road. I don't think he had great anticipation for how things were about to work out. I think he had great trepidation. And despite that, he still took a step. And so again, I think what some of us need to do is to believe us, believe God when he says, I'll be with you and to take a step. You will never get over your being disillusioned from falling off the horse by staring at the horse. I can promise you, you'll never get over it. At some point, we're gonna to have to trust that God says, I will be with you. Ride it again. We just need to take a step. The next thing that we see in Moses' story that we also struggle with is being insecure. Being insecure is when we're struggling that others will not affirm our identity or calling, that they won't agree with what we believe God is telling us to do. Sometimes we don't agree with it. We look in the mirror in our opinion, doesn't have any confidence that we can do what God is calling us to do. The problem is your security will never come from your own confidence looking in the mirror because if Moses had a mirror, he saw nothing when he looked in it. And your security will never come from what other people think of you or agree with about you. Matter of fact, trying to find your security in that is the recipe of a miserable life. 
Because you already know the reality, and that is, if you are finding your security and people's approval of you, someday, someday it's gonna be gone and you will have nothing. And so you actually live every day in fear of that. You know what I'm talking about. You're one of those people, you go to post something on Facebook and you start typing and then you, you hit delete because you think of what would that person think of what I said? I gotta say it this way. I can't say, oh, best party ever because they didn't come along. I can't post a picture with that friend and not with them because they will think, and, and that's a horrible way to live. You see, your security and who you are has to come from God and God alone. Absolutely nothing else. And what we have to do if we're going to be a secure person is we have to believe that what God has said to you and about you is true and enough. True and enough. When you look in the mirror and you say, I don't think you have it, doesn't matter what I think. Because God has said, your security in life will only come from believing what God has said to you and about you that it is true and enough. And the third thing that we see is that Moses was having an identity crisis. Some of us have heard the joke, we've all heard the joke actually, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The same question applies to insecurity and an identity crisis. Depending on your personal story, one of them did come before the other, but the other one always points to the next one and it becomes a vicious cycle where you got a bunch of chicken laying eggs everywhere on your farm. They just keep feeding off of each other. I don't have the time at this point in today's message to go deeply into both of those issues. I've preached on each of those issues before using Moses and using this story. If you are on our app and looking at our sermon notes, we've put links there to those past messages. So if insecurity or your identity is something you're, you're currently really struggling with and you'd like to go deeper, you can click on those links. But let's get back to Moses. You see, Moses was growing up and had grown up with an identity crisis. He was an Israelite, but was raised as an Egyptian. He was born a slave, but raised in the palace. He lived in a house built with bricks that his people made. While they worked in the hot sun, he was in the shade. That's an identity crisis. And then one day he finally thought he knew who he was. I'm gonna reject that, I'm gonna go and rescue them, but that didn't work out, they rejected him. Nothing went like he had planned. You see, he thought he had figured out who he was. I am the one who will deliver God's people from slavery. You see, here's what Moses got right. That was going to be his job. What he got wrong was that that's who he thought he was. Moses had confused what God had called him to do with his identity. I wanna share with you something that I hope will help you, help all of us. It helped me so much when I learned this, but Moses had to learn it the hard way. There are three words that we confuse that are actually very, very separate things in our lives, but too often we overlap them and we put one in the place of the other. And when we do this, our whole life gets off the rails. It's the word purpose, calling, and identity. Let me explain. Your life purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the purpose of humanity upon the earth. That's it, there's nothing more to it. 
Your calling is the role that God gives you to make a difference upon the earth. And your identity is found in your relation to God and nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. But we end up trying to find our purpose through our calling and our identity through our calling. We get our calling in the wrong place and everything gets all messed up. So let me explain this. You can live out your purpose. I'm gonna say something that some people are gonna be like, what? You can live out your purpose if you never figure out your calling. You see, I used to be a high school teacher and a youth pastor, and I spent a lot of time around teenagers who were like, I don't understand life. What is life all about? I don't think life has any purpose because I don't know what I'm going to major in. And don't pick on the teenagers because some of you, you change your major three times and you're still not doing that job and you still have yet to figure out your purpose of life. Your purpose of life has nothing to do with your day job or what you majored in or anything. Your purpose in life is to glorify God. And what that means is if you are between jobs and if you have changed your major seven times in the last three days, you can still be kind to your waitress and say, God bless you and pray for her. And that glorifies God. You can still put on worship music and say, somebody join me as we glorify God. Because see, glorifying God was the very thing the devil tried to take away in the beginning. And we can give that back to him without knowing what our day job is. Are y'all following that? So we, we, we get lost and confused when we're disrupted over what our calling actually is and we're not sure who we are. We think that there's no point to life. There is purpose to life every single day. You can fulfill your purpose for life standing in the unemployment line because you can glorify God in how you speak, in the display of your faith, and in all of your actions. Your calling. By the way, you'll probably have more than one over your lifetime. And some people miss this. One calling, being faithful to that, will open the door for another calling. So your calling might be something like this. Father, mother, small group leader, pastor, teacher, worship leader, intercessor, businessman, philanthropist, godly politician. We could keep going. You getting the point? You see, your calling is the role that God has given you to make a difference upon the earth. But then your identity, simply put, plain and simple, never mess this up. Your identity is son or daughter of the God Most High. That's who you are. And what Moses had done is he had taken his job, his calling, he had gotten it a little out of the way that it was supposed to be done, and so he failed at it. And when he failed at his calling, he wasn't ready to go back out and give it a try the next day because his calling had become his identity and his new identity was failure and he ran and hid. You see, when we confuse our identity and calling, we make the same mistakes because when your calling becomes your identity, what do you do when those things are gone? Because callings change and develop over time. For instance, if you take the calling of being a mother and you make that your identity, if your identity is in being a great mother, what do you do when the children grow up and leave home? Your new identity becomes a lonely woman that can only enjoy the holidays when the children come visit. If your identity is in being a soldier, you're noble, you're willing to die for your country and you're good at the skill the military taught you, but you're lost when you come home and there's no war and all you see are children and a spouse. See, when you build your identity Upon being the popular kid at school, what do you do when your family moves to a new town and no one knows you? 
you build your identity upon being a great athlete and you don't make the varsity team, you're lost. If you build your identity upon being a great businessman, but then there are some difficult times and the business goes broke, you're lost because now your identity is failure. You start chasing addictions and vices to numb the pain. But if that's not your identity, it's just your calling. You wake up and say, today I'm a son of God who needs a new job, but I'm a son of God and he loves me. And I've still got purpose. As I go out and talk to somebody about how to get another job, I can pray for people as I go. You see, if we could understand your calling is a role that is given to you. Sometimes they change, sometimes they develop. They come, they go. Some may last for a lifetime. But even if you have a failure at that, it doesn't change who you are before God because you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And that is enough when you look at God and say, who am I? He says, you are my son or daughter. And that's a pretty good family lineage, I think. So you can do anything I've called you to do because I am with you. That's what he told Moses. So let me ask you today as we close, disillusioned and secure or identity crisis? Which one of those is keeping you from taking the next step toward the thing you want most? A life that matters. Because that's what God has planned for you. If you were here in part one, I explained a little bit about my own story. I became very disillusioned over trying to do what I'm doing now. I knew at 16 years old, God had called me to do this for a living, but I didn't start doing this until I was 36. Two full decades of wondering, I think I'm wrong. I don't think I'm able to do what God's called me to do. I don't even think God likes me anymore. I know what it's like to be disillusioned. You see, God was doing something for those two decades that I can only understand now that I look back. You see, I had found my security and my identity in my success. I'd been pretty good at everything I'd ever done before. And so God had to redefine my security and my identity by taking away success in every form possible. And I went through 20 years of not succeeding the way I thought I should, learning to figure out I am a son of God. And that's it. And my calling is different from that. And my hope and my security come from who I am alone. You see, God put the, uh, the last real thing right in front of me. That last final exam before you graduate college kind of thing. Kent and I had been two of the four founding families to start Grace Life Church, but I was not the lead pastor when we started. And so when I became the lead pastor of Grace Life, a couple of things happened to continue for God to remind me where my security and identity came from. One of them was that a mentor of mine and a very important voice in my life looked at me face to face and said, Jimmy, you can't do that. And then on the day that I became the lead pastor, 30% of the church left. That'll encourage you if you're getting your identity from success. I actually had a friend of mine come up to me that day, somebody I had coffee with about once a month. 
and said, well, my wife and I'll be leaving the church now. Preaching was bad enough before you, but with you, whoo. God wanted to make sure that as I stepped into my calling, that my identity was very secure outside of this. See, here's what you need to know. This is what I do, but it is not who I am. And the reason that's important is because it means I don't get my security from anyone's approval. It allows me to preach God's word as God's word, not in a way that I'm worried about whether or not people want to hear that. It allows me to lead even though I know I can never make everyone happy. It allows me to read some of your emails and just smile. Because on the good days and the bad days, I am my father's son and he loves me. And that is what matters. I don't say that to act like I have an attitude or to make you think I don't care about you as your pastor. I say that because I want you to be able to say it. I want you to learn that while you need to do a good job at work, your boss does not determine who you are. You are not defined by the happiness of the people around you. Your ability to do what God has called you to do does not come in the number of people that say they are with you, but only when he says he's with you. You see, the reason that so many of us live our lives disillusioned is because we have been looking for security and identity in all the wrong places. And we need to understand God is here today to do what he did for Moses. And that is to help us find where those belong. Your identity is as a son or daughter of God. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your mercy of how you, you initiate, you even repeat, you come back time and time again. We even see it in Moses' own life. God, you are so loving and so good and you have great plans. God, my prayer today is for each of us to have the courage to take a step toward you. God, that we'll set aside the pain, the hurts of being this illusion that we've experienced in life. And that we'll do what you've called us to do, that thing that you've put in our hearts, simply because it's what you've spoken and we know you will be with us. If you would just stay a place, in a place of prayer, I'd like to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. Your identity comes from being a son or daughter of God and the reality is that comes through recognizing that Jesus is your savior. You see, that's the one thing he fixed because we were alienated through sin. We were separated from God. So not only when we make Jesus our king, are we forgiven? Not only do we have eternal life, but we are also brought into the family of God and he looks at you and says, welcome son, welcome daughter. Some of us are struggling to find meaning in this world because our very identity is on the other side of an exchange we have yet to make. If you have yet to recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for you, if you are ready to make that exchange today, I'd like to help you. Wherever you are, would you simply say something like this to yourself and the God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, 
I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would everybody help me celebrate with them?